Hi, it's me again. So, <laughs> you may have noticed that I haven't been able to record in uh, quite a long time. December, um, it's been a very busy month for me. I just keep having these busy months all the time. Nothing ever slows down and it gets really hard for me to record and all that. So, I'm gonna get into that a little bit. So it started in September, um, I was trying to do this series of bonus episodes for National Suicide Prevention Month, and uh, things just didn't go, they didn't go as, as planned. Like, I planned so many more episodes than I actually got to record and edit and publish. Um, it was really tough material to get through. Um, so tough, in fact, that just now, like just this month, December, is when I've like finally kind of started to feel better about it. So September, October, November, that's like three months of pretty much agonizing over all of that really deep shit, basically. So yeah, it's been a little rough on me mentally, but, you know, it happens every year. I remember, you know, what happened and all that stuff. Um, it just gets brought up again, so... But I'm feeling better now, so... Anyway, yeah, December has been crazy for me. Um, the Christmas shopping alone. Uh, that has been, like, between that and work. <laughs> It's like, pick one. Just having to shop for other people and think like, is this something that they would actually want? Or are they just gonna donate it? Like, you, you want the gift to be kind of special and meaningful and you want them to like it. And that's really difficult when you're shopping for your family members who you don't necessarily know what they like. Or what they prefer. It's really difficult. Plus, I had to help out a family member of mine who has the same problem. They have trouble buying things, uh, Christmas presents, uh, mainly because of work. Like, they work so much that they don't get to, like, actually put any uh, energy towards trying to, like, uh, pick out gifts for people. So not only was I shopping for like my gifts for people, I was shopping for somebody else too. If that makes sense. That and the weather has been so crazy. I mean, it's December. It's basically winter now. We should be getting into the colder days, right? Well, you know, um, we have, we have had days where it's and nights where it's like dipped down in temperature definitely and it actually made me um, buy a new coat a new winter coat because uh, the old Carhartt that I've had for a few years now uh, the lining in it is has gotten too thin so it's not insulating me enough um, so yeah I went I went ahead and bought a new coat um, so like my probably biggest advice I could give to you if you're somebody who gets cold easily 
you live in an area where you have really harsh winters, my big advice to you is um, to buy a ski jacket. Don't type in winter coat when you're looking for a coat. Type in ski jacket because those things are built to keep in warmth. Like, it is insane. I have never, like, <laughs> just just having a ski jacket is like, oh my god, you can feel the difference. Like, I don't necessarily want to say what brand that I bought, but I, I got, like, um... It was a coat from a brand that makes ski wear, and um, it was on the lower price rung. I mean, I I think I paid like fifty or so dollars for it. It wasn't that expensive, as far as like winter coats go. I've seen some ski jackets go for like a hundred and twenty-five, a hundred and fifty. Um, some of them are like over $600, like you don't need to spend anything like that. Just get a nice, you know, cheap, cheaper priced one at a discount or maybe even just buy secondhand. Like if you can find a nice ski jacket in your size on like a reselling website, um, do that. And that way you're also helping out like a fellow, um, what do you call them? Like you're putting money, kind of like you're putting money into your neighbor's hand so that they can give you a product rather than putting your money into like some schemey corporation that, you know, it's, it's like, I, I don't know. When I can, I like to support the little guy, whatever. Yeah, that's my advice. Buy a ski jacket, buy it secondhand, um, or if you can find a really great, uh, website that sells it at like a discounted price maybe it's like three last year's season whatever like maybe it's not like the newest one out there uh yeah just get that don't spend a ton of money don't get the really cheap shit that's not gonna like keep you warm yeah oh so and then the other thing i wanted to talk about is like okay Around here in the Midwest, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I mean, I know it's almost Christmas when I start seeing these Shen Yun ads in the mail, okay? It's this little paper ad, it's like a little booklet, it says Shen Yun on it, um, it's like a little lady, um, she's doing ballet, and it's like... I, I can't I can't tell you what this is about it, it just says China before communism and you know <laughs> it it's just it's very pretty they have very pretty photos here it's like a I'm I'm sure it's like a ballet or something like that uh, with like a live orchestra looks like um, really cool stuff you know it just it makes me think of like people who are retired and have money to do that sort of thing like oh my god they're it's almost like they're wasting their paper sending me this and and they keep sending it to you like probably until like until this end like this february 19th like yeah this this goes 
Yeah, this starts in like February. So they're trying to get you to buy the tickets all the way up until February prob probably of next year. So they're going to be sending me this shit like <sighs> for a long time. You know, I'm just going to keep it, I'm going to keep seeing it show up in my freaky mailbox. But, you know, very lovely stuff. If you have the money and time, go see that, whatever. I'm not saying anything against it. It's just like, man. It's just like one of those one of those luxuries you can't afford as a person as a young person who has to work their way up in the world. And you see that a lot like when you get advertised for things like you it's not really like for you. It's like for somebody else and you're like, "Why are you targeting me for this? I am not the one. Who told you that I have money? Who told you?" Speaking of mail, uh, my husband got the cult letter in the mail, uh, aka the society letter. Um, if you haven't heard of it, take a look. Look it up. It's a great laugh. Apparently, these letters are showing up in people's mailboxes all over America, and it's trying to like scam people out of their money. It's really funny. The first thing it tells you is to not tell anybody about it. So, you know... I had to break that first rule because I'm a rebel and I hate it when people tell me to do shit like that. Like, no, the, the minute you tell me that it's a secret that I have to spend my money on so that you can profit off of me, no, 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 no. And what really pissed me off is that it was addressed to my husband. And so I was like, oh, no, oh, no. Oh no, we're not. We're no. Leave my husband alone. He's mine. Back off. Okay, the society tried to come for my man. So <laughs> I'm really sorry. This is what happens when I get in a better mood. I actually start saying things and expressing things and talking and it's really embarrassing and it's really bad. So, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. I apologize. Uh, so yeah, um, the last thing I wanted to talk about is that there's going to be some pretty big changes to the podcast. Um, you know, I was thinking like this whole year, this whole thing has been an experiment basically to, to see, um, to see if I could, could really express myself and have a podcast. Like if I could be that person because you kind of have to be somebody who talks a lot. And you know, all my life, I haven't really been a person who speaks their mind, who, I, I mean, basically that's it, who speaks their mind. I kept my thoughts to myself for years and probably, like, I didn't have a lot of friends. I had some friends, you know, but it's just like, yeah, it's been... A little difficult for me. It's been a little difficult for me to express myself and be comfortable with myself and even even just to have an identity and to like things and to say that I like things and it not be like some sort of weird coping mechanism that I disassociate to. Like just getting out of that and just like completely completely growing out of that and 
coming into my own a little bit. It's it's hard. It's difficult. Um, I've said before that in my teen years, I didn't really get to build my own identity. And that's like right when you're supposed to do that. So I totally skipped that. So I'm going through it now. And it's really weird because every day it feels like I'm not supposed to be anything. I'm supposed to be a little cupie doll who's pretty and cute and is a baby forever. Uh, how my mother intended it. So it's, it's just difficult. Anyway, I was going to tell you about these changes. So I'm going to probably have to change the title uh, of random fandom because it's not exactly going to be random anymore. I'm still going to randomize some of the numbers. I'm going to randomly select a fandom, of course. Um, that's not going to change. But what is going to change is that I am going to vet the fix a little bit more. I'm going to choose the fix. Um, I'm still going to randomize like the page number and uh, which one that we land on, like 1 out of 20. That's how many results are on each page. Um, and I'm going to land on those, but I'm also just going to be like looking at them. There's going to be like a word limit because some of these, oh my god. When I've listened back to some of these, it's like dragging on and on. And it's like, it's not interesting. It's not fun. Like, I kind of just want to get in and out a little bit. Like, we just want to visit for a while. We don't want to stay the night. You know, I I definitely think vet, having to vet the fix a little bit more and choose, pick the best out of what I get. That's really going to help I, I just think it'll help. I, I don't know. Because it's like, I want to get excited to to read these things. You know, I used to be excited. And it now it's like a drag sometimes, m well, most of the time. Because it's just like, you never know what you're going to get. And sometimes what you get is like really fucking weird. And gross. And you don't want to like read that shit. And... I don't know. I just want to kind of avoid that in the future. We want to avoid stumbling upon like some really graphic, terrible shit in the future. You know, unfortunately, with Archive of Our Own, uh, people are pretty much allowed to write whatever they want. And sometimes that means it's like incestuous pairings. Sometimes that means it's non-con pairings. Sometimes that means it's underage shit going on and I don't enjoy stumbling upon that you know and the nature of it being like a random randomization you do come across that and it's really like ugh, like I don't want to you know it's just it's a, it's a really big bummer when all I'm trying to do is just have some fun so yeah that's what I'm gonna do I'm going to um, choose the fix now. I, there's going to be a word limit. So I want to go like a thousand words and some change. You know, I'm going to be a little bit lenient on that. Um, I don't want to go like above that though. I don't want to go to like 2000 or 5000 words like per page. Like, um, yeah, it's just, it's too much to read. I just can't handle it. And you know, I'm not really that good at reading either. 
Um, I've definitely noticed that listening back to these. So, so it's just like, I want to, I want to adjust it for my talent level, you know, like I'm not one of these professional like ASMR readers or whatever, these people who can just really turn that shit out. Um, I'm not like that. I just do this for fun. So, so yeah, making some changes, trying to make things a little more streamlined. I think that'll help in the end. And it'll be a little bit more of an enjoyable experience for the listener. So yeah, I'm going to be brainstorming on a whole new title. So yeah. Um, oh, and for the for the new year, um, I definitely want to change the art, the artwork for, um, I don't know what you call it actually, uh, the podcast art. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know how to explain that, but that's that's going to change. It's going to look, it's going to be a different look. Possibly could be a new title as well. So, yeah, we're going to clean things up around here. We're going to polish it a little bit. That being said, let's get down to uh, creating this train wreck of an episode. So what happened was I tried to record an episode and it failed. As, oh my god, that hap- you don't know how, how, whoa, how often that happens to me where I will just completely fail and have to start all the way over because it's just terrible. But what I landed on, um, and I'm going to stay with it, I'm going to stick with it. It's a little bit weird. It's a little bit like you have to really be into this to know about it. It's one of those fandoms. You can't just get in there and understand what's going on. It's a little... It's a little niche. So, Old Nine Gates. It did not ring a bell to me. I It sounded weird just reading it. You know, it's a weird title. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and look, look up this summary so that you can understand what we're getting into here. Oh my god, Wikipedia basically just yelled at me like, we need money, bitch! So I had to get out my credit card and give them, they were asking for like $2 and some change. I gave them $3, whatever, whatever. You guilted me into it. It's the holiday season. I haven't donated donated to any charities yet, so I feel bad. But, um, you know, I'm always looking up these uh, summaries of these uh, TV shows off of Wikipedia. And so I thought I'd, I thought I'd give them a little something, whatever. So, okay, let me get into this. So the TV show Old Nine Gates, it's, it also goes by The Mystic Nine. And it's a prequel to the Chinese television series The Lost Tomb based on the internet novel Daomu Biji. It aired on Dragon TV and was broadcast online via IQU. Kiyi? I I can't pronounce it, I'm sorry. From the 4th of July to the 17th of October of 2016. So, um, this genre includes action, adventure, mystery, supernatural, and let me find this summary real quick for us here. Okay, so I went ahead and went to my drama list for like a shorter summary because Wikipedia's was very long and drawn out, and I just want to like Get a quick little summary here. So, 
a prequel to The Lost Tomb, as I already said, and follows the leaders of the nine grave-robbing families and their adventures to save the people of Changsha from a potentially deadly threat. Zhang Qishen, an officer in charge of the defense of the city, asks Er Yihang, a connoisseur, for help to solve the mystery of the mine on the outskirts of Changsha. What secrets does the mysterious mine hold? Question mark. All right, so now we've got our summary. Now we can get into these fix. Oh, just in case you wanted to watch this, uh, it also goes by the Mystic Nine, and it's available on uh, something called Viki, V-I-K-I, for free, or um, I-Q-I-Y-I, and that's a subscription. Oh, by the way, it's also on Apple TV. I don't know why that didn't show up. So our first one is called Communication Breakdown by Spinning Threads. Now we're going to see uh, this person, Spinning Threads, they have written so many fics uh, for the old Nine Gates fandom. So if this is something you're interested in, definitely go check this person out. They're on Archive of Our Own if you're interested. Uh, this is a general audience's rating, M slash M, and it is strictly within the fandom. The relationship is between Ki Tai Zhu and Zhang Rishan. Okay, and I did look up these names. I have like a huge list of names uh, just so I can pronounce them semi-correctly. I'm not going to be perfect at it, of course, um, but yeah. Okay, uh, the summary. Uh, Ki Taizu had, had thought that he and Zhang Rishan were on the same page when it came to their marriage of convenience. Finding out they were not, in fact, on the same page comes as unpleasant surprise, and it all goes downhill from there. Author's notes. So, if you've read Divine Punishment and All the Time in the World by... L. Tromil, uh, gently shoes you in the in that direction if you haven't, then you'll probably notice a few similarities. This fic is drawn from the same conversations that inspired those. Linked in Divine Punishment, I believe. So, in that respect, some similarities are inevitable. Hopefully, this fic is different enough that it can be enjoyed separately. Okay. So, without further ado, I'm gonna get into this. With a sharp inhale of breath, I don't know if this is right, but my notes say to pronounce it like Chi Te Zhao. The alarm is going- oh my god. They're just like- So, I'm sorry, we have an emergency uh, volunteer fireman alarm, and every now and then it goes off. It's just like like a wailing siren. I don't know if it's going to pick up or not, but if you're hearing that, it's just, it's one of those. Okay, it's off now. Uh, all right. I'm sorry for all the interruptions. Jeez. Okay, I'm going to try this. With a sharp inhale of breath, Chi Tezo spun on his heel and stared fixedly at the wall, his hands curling into fists at his sides. 
It was this or throwing things, and while the latter was extremely tempting, it wouldn't fix anything. He wasn't sure any longer that things could be fixed, but even so, he wouldn't be the one to make that final step. The sound of crockery smashing on the floor had him tensing, but it was the hissed, not now, that had him turning back. Not now? Rishan dared say that to him. He... There was one moment of Rishan staring at him with wide eyes before the air around him shimmered and he was left staring at a different wall before his eyes traveled down to the spaniel on the floor, flopping ears drooping and tail tucked between its legs, the faintest of whines coming from the back of its throat. Oh. A couple of heartbeats later, and the spaniel was replaced by a cat with folded ears and the biggest, saddest eyes, then a rabbit, one foot thumping rapidly against the floor in agitation. All of Tzu's anger vanished, washing away in the face of Rishan's inability to hold any shape for longer than a few heartbeats. That the animals were all small and generally speaking harmless also spoke volumes about Rishan's mental state. Okay, so I guess he's like shape-shifting into different animals to like make him feel guilty or so? I don't know what's going on. The rabbit changed to a guinea pig, and by the time Tezu had reached him, kneeling and carefully picking his husband up off the floor, the guinea pig had changed to a hamster. Here, he said, lifting his hands to his shoulder. Immediately, Rishan zipped off his hands and under his open shirt collar. It wasn't the same as when he used to snuggle under the collar of the gowns he wore before, but the feel of the tiny feet turning in tiny circles against the crook of his neck was still familiar nonetheless. Oh, okay. I can kind of relate to this. Um, so we, we have ducks, and so we've had ducklings before. And they really, they have like a burrowing instinct, so sometimes I would like hold them and then they would like kind of get under your shirt collar and like snuggle in between that area where your neck kind of meets your shoulder, I guess. Like they really kind of get under there. So, and it's a really nice feeling too. They're nice and warm and soft. Okay, where were we? Squeezing his eyes shut against the string of tears Tezu stroked along the curve of Rishan's back. He wasn't sure if the lack of further change was because Rishan's mood had stabilized at least a little, or if a hamster was simply as small as he could go without disappearing from existence. But either way, he was relieved that at least this shape was proving stable. Still, Hamster shape usually meant that Rishan wanted to shut the outside world away, even if only for a while, snuggling up to some somewhere warm and dark and safe. That Rishan still felt that way now, still saw him as safety even now, made his heart clench tightly in his chest. Little idiot, he said softly, why didn't you just talk to me instead of letting it get this bad? A tiny squeak and a tiny headbutt against his neck made him chuckle, albeit shakily. Yes, well, I suppose I wasn't talking either. You couldn't really call what they'd been doing through Ken Jian talking after all. 
It could barely be called communicating at all, and they'd put that poor boy through so much it was a wonder he hadn't had a breakdown yet. Maybe we can do better now? Rishan stuck his face out from under Tezo's collar, the rest of him following as he balanced precariously against his clavicle. Holding out a hand, palm up, Tezu waited for Rishan to scuttle onto it before crouching down to lower him safely to the ground. By the time he straightened up again, Rishan was back in human shape and watching him with wide eyes. Always more open after a shift, it was easier to read the hope and weariness in those eyes, and while the weariness hurt, it was far better than the studied indifference Rishan had previously been treating him with. Hopeful and weary, he could work with. Indifference about broke his heart. One moment, he said, holding up a finger, and when Rishan nodded hesitantly, but even so, he turned to head into Rishan's room, looking for the bracelet he left there earlier. The hot potato of their hearts shuffled back and forth between them, while they failed at communicating time and again, swearing under his breath when he couldn't find it, he detoured to his own room, and sure enough, Rishan had left it for him to find, picking it up carefully, cradling it, sorry, like a pre the precious object it was, sorry, I have to take off my sweater, I'm getting hot. He made his way back into the main room. Rishan's eyes went wider on seeing it, and he went very, very still, more like a statue than a living person. I don't know how this came to you, he continued, holding it up so they could both see it clearly. I was never going to ask either. I do know, though, how important it is to you. You would never give it away carelessly or for something trivial. Only for something more important than your own life, maybe. For someone you value that much. He took a breath, fingers tightening around it. To someone you love, like Foye, did sister-in-law. Am I wrong? Rishan shook his head m minutely, the barest movement possible. But it was enough to ease some of the tightness in Tezu's chest. No. The word was quiet barely a breath in the air, but again it was enough and Tezu nodded to himself, slipping the bracelet back onto his wrist, where it already felt like it belonged. Rishan's eyes followed, the movement, too many emotions for even Tezu to read flickering across his face at seeing him wearing it. Relief, though, he saw that. Hope, anguish, and that he didn't understand. Then I don't understand why we're having this problem, he said, tilting his head a little to catch Rishan's gaze. You love me. Yes, it was an admission, something Rishan visibly braced himself before saying, and Tezu was very, very confused. How had they come to this, that Rishan would brace himself for such a thing, as if expecting, as if expecting rejection? How had they deteriorated so badly, so quickly? And I you, so why- He stopped as Rishan reared back, almost as if struck, his eyes staring at Tezu in disbelief. Horror and 
sorry, horror briefly crossed his face before his human shape vanished, the spaniel making a reappearance on the floor. At least this time, his tail wasn't between his legs, and he wasn't radiating despair, though distress was certainly evident in the way he crouched down, tail twitching at the tip, crouching next to him, thankful that this time the shape was holding. Tezu gently poked his nose. You already knew that, he said. Why are you acting like it's something new? Sorry, I had to get a drink of water. So I'm really glad that <laughs> the shape that he chose was a hamster or like guinea pig or something, because I don't know if I could take it if he was something like a dog or a puppy, because like, you know how people do like the puppy play fetish thing? Like, at least it's not something twisted like that. At least they're not going for that. It, you know, it's, it's right now it's very, um, what's the word? Right now it's very wholesome. So I appreciate, I, I really appreciate that as someone who has come across like the weirdest fetishes out there. All right, we're almost done with this one. Granted, they hadn't had a whole lot of time after that conversation. Too much happening in too little time, and they'd never had the opportunity for anything more than confirming what they felt before disaster had struck. But even so, surely Rishan shouldn't have reason to disbelieve it. Rishan sat up and barked once, sharply, and Tezu sighed. I don't actually speak dog, he reminded him. Shift back if you want to be understood. I thought he was I thought he wasn't a dog. I'm now I'm scared. Um shift back if you want to be understood. Rishan's tail smacked to the floor and he barked again. I can guess, he protested, but those are just guesses, not knowledge. That got him a whine, and he sighed, reaching out to scratch behind Rishan's ears, a smile forming as Rishan melted into the touch. If only they could have an actual proper conversation this way, it would make everything so much easier. Rishan was always more honest in animal shape than human, probably because an animal saw no reason to hide what it felt, where humans very much did, himself included. Finally, however, Rishan stood, shaking himself all over before shimmering back into human shape, clearing his throat and studiously staring at his feet. I guess when they say the shimmering thing, that's like, that's like how they, how they transition back, like visually, I guess. I just, I just, I just see them like turning into sparkles or glitter or something. Rishan, he said gently, talk to me. Have I given you any cause to think my heart has changed? If he had, well, he'd have to give himself a good kicking for foolishness, is what he'd have to do. Rishan was shaking his head, though, so that hadn't been the problem. Then what was? Then why? I couldn't believe it anymore, was the quiet admission, and Tezu's heart stuttered in his chest, pain a sharp jolt that took his breath, that Rishan couldn't believe him anymore. I thought I was just remembering how I wished it had been, not how it was. Rishan met his eyes, fingers twitching forward as if to touch before he curled them back into a loose fist at his side. I didn't trust my memory, 
not after so long, and I wanted, I wanted it too much, even if it felt like I was lying to you the whole time. Mind a whirl, conflicting thoughts and emotions tangling around each other, Tezu held up a hand to stop any further words. They needed to get this untangled first before the demons in their heads, sorry, their hearts, could grow stronger and make reconciliation impossible. Wait, he said, taking a deep breath to center himself, to be calm against the storm. Zhang Rishan, do you want to be married to me or not? If the answer was no, then he would, he would make that happen, regardless of what he wanted himself. He would not trap Rishan in a relationship he didn't want, not for some misguided sense of protecting him. He would protect himself no matter who came for him. He couldn't actually die anymore. After all, not even with a knife to the heart, he'd survive like he always did. Okay, so I guess he's immortal? Yes, was the empathetic answer. Rishan's stepping forward to take his hands, gripping them tightly. More than anything, I want it. He hesitated, fingers curling around Tezu's wrists, his eyes searching Tezu's face. Do you want to be married to me, I mean? A choked laugh broke out of Tezu's chest, and he tugged his hands free enough to twine their fingers together. Yes. Rishan's face brightened, and he looked more like the young lieutenant he'd fallen for, earnest and competent, cheeky when he didn't have to be proper, and with a smile to rival the sun for its brightness. He'd really never stood a chance, and if Rishan wasn't objecting, well then... Chi Tezu, sorry, was never going to let him go. Yes? Do I need to repeat myself? Maybe just once? Yes. Okay, that's good then. It is. Now come here and kiss me properly. This husband's been feeling the lack of attention. Rishan's laugh, sorry, Rishan laughed and obliged. And if the kiss was a little clumsy, well, what did that matter? They had plenty of time to get good at it after all. This has a little bit of kudos on it and four comments. Ella Tramil says, Oh my heart, squishes hamster. This was a good, this was so good, seriously. Loved the part where they asked each other if they really wanted to be married, because if they love each other, that doesn't, that doesn't want to be married, crying emoji. And Rishan needing to hear it once again. That was just so perfectly angsty, then sweet. Also, I wonder if Kan, Kan Jian will regret what they made up. Like, sure, it was a bad, Sorry, it was bad playing messenger between the two, but it, but is it better to walk in on those two necking like teenagers at any time of day? Author responds, thank you. Hamster Rishan is the tiniest and most squishable, yes, XD. And yes, both of them unsure and not wanting to keep the other trapped if it's not what they want, but obviously they want each other. They're just dumbasses like that. Shrugging emoji. Kan Jian has many regrets, many of which are named Zhang Rishan and Ki, sorry, Chi Tezu, XD. I figure the next day they'd both, they'd 
they're both swanning around, flaunting the hickeys, not making the slightest attempt at covering them up. Too bad for anyone. Rishan has meetings with that day. You're getting hickeys in your face and him silently daring you to comment on it. Are you feeling lucky? XD. Kanjian's just popping the painkillers and having moments of spiritual sympathy across time with Zhang Kishen. Wampara says, oh my, that shapeshift part about being smaller and smaller was at one side absolutely cute, but on the other side so terribly sad. Miscommunication in early phases of relationship is so fill in the blank. My ability to translate into English is not enough to find a suitable word, but I'm so glad they make it they make it to that happy ending. XD. Author responds. That's what I was going for. I'm glad it works. Heart emoji. Yeah, it's hard, right? The uncertainty makes everything more difficult, but they do get there eventually. I can let them I can't let them not be happy in the end, even if I put them through a lot before they get there. Okay, this next one is a little bit shorter. It's uh, Go All In Again by Spinning Threads. This is a general audience's rating, M slash M, and it's within Old Nine Gates and Tomb of the Sea fandoms. Summary. So, how accurate is the phrase, bring a knife to a gunfight these days? Bracing himself, slingshot at the ready, and Loke at his back, Kan Jian winced as Zhang, Zhang Rishan strolled out in front of them, body loose and relaxed, seemingly without a care in the world. Oh, Mr. Chi was going to be so angry with them, him, them, whatever, right on cue, exasperated, ranting took over the frequency of their earpieces, though the boss didn't so much as blink at the sudden torrent of cursing his name. They were all in so much trouble when this was over. Now, the boss was saying to the enemies in front of them, you'll have to indulge an old man for a moment. I'm not up to date on the slang, on the slang the, he gestured idly, hip kids use nowadays. Dislodged by the movement, the knife slipped into his palm and he smiled, a smile full of razor-sharp edges. So, how accurate is the phrase, bring a knife to a gunfight these days? It should have been a slaughter, and in a way, it still was, just not how their enemies had expected. With Kan Jian and Lo, Lo Q, Lo K? I don't know. Handling long-distance threats, Zhang Grishen slipped through guards and dodged bullets like someone out of the Matrix, and in the end, it was the three of them left standing, not the Wang clan. Well, that could have gone worse, the boss noted, eyeing the knife wound on his upper arm with irritation. Zhang Grishen, oh shit, the boss muttered under his breath, because... That, that had not come from over the earpieces. That was right behind them. Tezu, you better not be, better not what? Mr. Chi demanded as he reached them, taking unnecessary risks. A slap rang out as he smacked the boss 
up the back of his head and winced as Zhang Yushen rubbed the spot with an injured expression on his face that could only be called a pout. They weren't necessary. They weren't unnecessary, he muttered, and oh god, he was sulking. Zhang Yushen, the man that almost everyone in the Nine Gates Association was low-key terrified of, whether they'd admit it or not, was sulking. For once, the youth of his face wasn't countered by the age in his eyes, and if you didn't know better, you'd think he was just a regular young man, sulking because his crush was mad at him. Are you serious right now? Mr. Chi demanded. Not unnecessary? No, don't say anything. Ah, right now, you don't even have to open your mouth to make my head hurt. Has it been so long since you got a proper scolding, you think you can get away with not unnecessary? Is that it? Before he could really get going, though, Kang Jian felt a tug on his arm and turned to find Lo Kei giving him a look, one that clearly said, we are not sticking around for this drama, and he nodded. Sending mental apologies the boss's way, he followed Lo Kei outside, sighing with relief once they were away. Couples fights were awkward for everyone, and he didn't need to be around for it. Besides, the boss would probably be happier with no witnesses for that scolding, and if they were going to end up making out to make up, well, Kang Jian uh, didn't want to be around for that either. So, he said brightly, tucking his slingshot safely away, want to get lunch? Loke pursed his lips, considering it, then shrugged. Sure, why not? This has a pretty good amount of kudos on it and 14 comments. Wampara says, Oh boy, dear Rishan, you have a problem. XD. It is never a good idea to get an angry person to treat your injuries. Fortunately, these two younglings are tactful enough to clear the field. XD. I loved it. Author responds, You'd think he'd learn by now, but nope. XD. Yeah, they know what's good for them. They're clearing out while they can. Heart emoji. M1412 says, A. Kan Jian and Lo Ke. Heart emoji. Song Rishan, watch out. Feared or revered by everyone, Ba Ye will scold your ass till kingdom come. XD. Lovely work, spinning threads. Author responds, Ba Ye is not afraid of this dork. No matter how intimidating others might find him, he will happily scold him all day if he deserves it. XD. And thank you. Heart emoji. One at a time says, Is this the one you mentioned? It ends good. I always love the snark you put into things like this. It's wonderful. XD. Author responds, You mean the one I took the last paragraph out of and went, Ah, eh, fuck it. XD. Yeah, it was this one. I'm a lot happier with it now, definitely. Laughs. Where would I be without snark? Uh, Anon says, just wanted to pass by and say, I've really enjoyed all your short stories about Zhang Rishen and Chi Tezu. I recently watched The Mystic Nine and San Si and wished there were more stories, whether canon or fan fiction, about these two adorable but badass characters. So thank... Sorry, so thanks for your contributions. One question I was curious about is why a lot of fanfiction authors include 
Chi Tezu in modern setting stories. I know that Black Glasses is also surnamed Chi, and apparently also has extreme longevity similar to the Zhang family. Are Chi Tezu and Black Glasses from the same family slash clan, and does the Chi family also have long longevity genetics? Okay, so they're asking that question, and the author responds to them, and they're they're doing a whole thing. They're talking back and forth, and then Sabra says, As I make my way through the Mystic Nine, I can't thank you enough for providing us with this wholesome fuba content. Crying emoji. You are a lifesaver. Ah, crying emoji. Author responds, you are very welcome. I'm glad you enjoy them. Heart emoji. All right, and next we have A Bribe of Cuddles, also by Spinning Threads. This is a general audience's rating, M slash M, and it is within Old Nine Gates fandom and Tomb of the Sea fandom. Uh, just in case you want to know, the relationship is between Chi Tezu and Zhang Rishen, and another relationship includes Kan Jian and Zhang Rishen. Okay. Summary, how do you bribe an exhausted Shangri-shan to get some sleep? With cuddles from his favorite person, of course. Author's notes, arguably a follow-up to your fortune says get some damn sleep. When Kan Jian heard the sound of the kettle boiling in the kitchen, he groaned under his breath. The last thing the boss needed right now was more coffee but he was pretty sure that's just what he was making. Clearly, an intervention was needed, so taking a deep and fortifying breath to brace himself first, he headed into the lion's den. Sang Rishen was sitting at the table, eyes closed, massaging his temples. Out in the world, he made it look effortless, always staying ahead of the schemes and plotting of the nine families. The knives aimed always at his back, but here at home, the toll that took, that took was obvious in the slump of his shoulders, the lack of sleep and the constant tension headaches like the one he was apparently dealing with right now. No, more coffee was absolutely not what he needed, and he had to get to work quickly or Mr. Chi would have his head on a plate. Just as the boss reached for the mug, Kan Jian swiped it out of reach and stepped away from the table, bracing himself for the worst. Kan Jian, yeah boss? Give it back. Sorry boss, can't do that. Sang Rishen lifted his head slowly and Kan Jian did not like the fact that it took a moment for him to locate and focus on him. Kan Jian, sorry boss, he said again, carefully sliding the mug into, sorry, onto the counter as he stepped back. The boss's eyes tracked him slowly, which was good, but also gave off the disturbing impression of a sleepy predator trying to dis decide if he was worth the effort or not. But do you have any idea what Mr. Chi will do to me if I let you have the coffee? Because I don't want to find out. The boss narrowed his eyes and pointed a finger at him, then flicked it across minutely until he was actually pointing squarely at Kan Jian. And you're not worried about what I might do if you don't give me my coffee right now? Which one of us are you more scared of? Right now? Mr. Chi, definitely. 
The boss stared at him for a moment, then sank down in the chair, head resting against his arms. Traitor. Sorry, boss, he was saying that a lot. But you know, if you go to bed now, you won't end up fighting with him about it when he gets back, and he might join you. You don't get to spend a lot of time together. At least this way, you can even... You can, even if it's just taking a nap, right? The boss lifted his head again, thoughtful expression on his face. Then his eyes widened slightly, and he stared hard at Kantian, who raised his hands and took another step back. No one's going to find out from me, he said hastily. I swear, I know you're keeping it quiet for a reason, and I'm not going to tell anyone. The boss stared at him a moment longer, and Kan Jian could no longer read the expression on his face. That was unnerving. It never meant anything good when he got that unreadable. He didn't think the boss was planning to bury him in a shallow grave for figuring it out. But you never know. Right, he said. Okay, fine. If I'm going to bed, but only because I don't... Sorry. Okay, fine, I'm going to bed, but only because I don't want the hassle of an argument later. Sure thing, boss. Absolutely. Whatever you say. He sighed in relief as Song Rishen stalked out of the room with only a glower at him as he went. He reached for the coffee and downed a good half of it before it registered just how strong the boss had made it, and he choked, shoving the mug back on the counter as his eyes watered. Oh, that had been a bad idea. At least the boss hadn't drunk it, or Mr. Chi would definitely have his head on a platter. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and skip the rest. But if that's something that interests you, you can check it out. It's uh, a bribe of cuddles by spinning threads. This has a pretty good amount of kudos on it and eight comments. Wampara says... Aw, so cute. I just melted down. Kan Jian is so brave for a little puppy he is. XD. Love this story, and of course I want more. XD. Author responds, thank you. I needed some fluff, and this was the result. And yes, Kan Jian was so brave. XD. M1412 says, a brave soul you are, Kan Jian. Thumbs up. Well done for getting the president to bed, and with cuddles for Baige. Heart emoji. Plus, I totally forgot that Baye's real name was Tezu. LOL, nice work. Heart emoji. Uh, author responds, Someone had to do it, and there was no one else around. XD. And yeah, I forget that about his name as well. I think it only comes up maybe twice in the whole show, or something like that. Same thing with Erye. To be honest, though, it doesn't help that even his wife calls him Erye. As a non-Chinese speaker, it's very confusing. XD. Ella Tramil says, Ah, oh my god, I've melted. That was so sweet. Crying emoji, heart emoji. Author responds, thank you. It's what I was going for. XD. And uh, Gazette Exotic Fan 12 says, Really, this pairing can give us plenty of fluff and melt us to a liquid pool of love goo. I'm impressed. And they put many heart emojis. Author responds, it's a pairing that keeps on giving. Yes. XD. Alright, this isn't too long, so 
It is Zaman and the master of Sang Tang. Sang Tang. <laughs> Probably incorrect. I'm so sorry. This is a general audience's rating. Um, and it's strictly within Old Nine Gates fandom. Okay. Summary says, a short story on Zhao Man and Zhang Tang, clerk, and the master of Zhang Tang himself. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Chi Bai Ye, I think that is. Yeah. Slightly sad, uh, comma, knives, comma, careful. Okay. Quote, little boy, would you like to come home with me? The porcelain-skinned teenager, clad in dusty, muddy, Taoist robes, beamed, deep dimples adoring, adorning his white, plump cheeks. The fortune-telling flag lay abandoned by his side, as the teenager turned to face the gently smiling man, also in Taoist robes, by his side. Father, can he, please? The ruddy-faced boy in ragged clothes tugged awkwardly at the teenager's robes, his mother peeked behind her torn scarf, hopeful, pleading eyes shining. The man nodded almost imperceptibly and flicked his fingers. The teenager straightened, respectfully bowed. Thank you, father, for your grace. He then ruffled the little boy's hair and lifted him onto his back. My name is Chi Tezu. What's yours? My mother only calls me... Oh, God. Um... Xiao Zi, I think. Chi Tezu eyes lit up and he pinched his fingers, all the little boy, as the little boy, precariously hanging from his neck, looked on in curios curio sorry, curiously. Okay, from today I will call you Xiao Man, alright? The boy smiled too, a bright toothy grin. Alright. As the teenager walked away, the gentleman held out a pouch of coins to the woman, who scurried away after a hurried bow. He sighed heavily. What has the world come to, in which mothers sell their children, husbands sell their wives, simply for a bun to eat? He looked over to the teenager, chatting happily with the boy he had just bought. My son, truly, in the world, there are only shows... Sorry, my son, truly, in the world, there are only shows to be seen, and nothing is scarier in the universe than the human heart. Learn this well, he whispered, before walking over to join them. He definitely didn't trip over his words, just like I did. It was time to return home. Xiaoman hid in Chi Tezu's arms, snuggled tight against the teenager's chest as they walked through the rowdy streets of Changsha. The steady warm heartbeat calmed him, grounded him, especially when the crowds around them were so loud and vibrant. Noodles, hot noodles, kind sir, fabric for your wife, fresh vegetables, fresh from the soil. He's never seen people look this lively. The people in his village always look exhausted and haggard. The only times they were allowed were when people from neighboring villages came to celebrate festivals together. Chi Tezu noticed his discomfort and continued his chatter from before. 
At the Chi House, you can eat as many buns as you want. Also, os osmanthus, cake, eggs, fish, anything. The tiny boy's eyes grew round. So much food. C can I really eat? His hair was ruffled again and cheeks pinched. Of course. Ah, but you'd need to wake up early. Also, learn to read and count. Chi Tezu grimaced apologetically, but he chuckled at Xiao Man's excited expression. I hope you'll stay by my side and take care of me too later, okay? Xiao Man was 13 when Chi Tezu became Chi Baye of the Jui Men. Five years had passed since the teenager picked him up. Now the same teenager had grown into a bright-eyed, witty man, and he himself into a clever, active teenager. But the day Chi Tezu became Chi Baye, Zaman saw the man grow up again. Chi Tezu sat on the eighth lord's seat at twenty, the youngest of the Jui men at the time. At that time, seeing it was, seeing it was indescribable, and Zaman felt a little pain in his heart every time he recalled that moment. The peach blossom eyes on the man's white face were closed as he kneeled by his parents' bedside, were both laid, breathing deeply. King Gamma was ringing his bells impatiently, waiting to welcome them to his side. Chi Tezu grasped his mother's hand, listening to her murmuring, Son, do not forget the taboos. Live well, my beloved. Her words faded away slowly, and the hand in Chi Tezu's grasp went limp. Chi Tezu opened his eyes, glancing desperately at his father. Father, the man weakly waved his hand. From today, you can only be alone, my son. Your mother and I were truly sorry, but we always pray you will have a long, decent life. Remember, you leak the words of heavens. Be careful, my son. Chi Tezu froze as his father, too, breathed his last. Zhao Man, who was waiting at the door, gazed worriedly at the back who at the back who had been kneeling on the cold floor of the incense hall for almost five days and nights, hardly eating nor drinking. Suddenly he saw the man turning to face him, serene and calm. His eyes it had a different depth to it from before. Zaman, will you still stay by my side? Zaman vividly remembered the time he was greedy and sold the Chi family's incense burner, even after he was warned not to by Chi Tezu. He will especially never forget the look on the man's face at that time. The beautiful eyes hidden behind tortoiseshell glasses were freezing cold and burning ragingly at the same time and the soft lips were bitten in despair and anger. But he didn't scold Zhao Man except for some stern words, nor did he punish him. Chi Baye immediately bowed to the ancestors and apologized for his mistakes in a low voice before tiredly pinching his fingers as Zhao Man wailed, hugging his legs, gently shaking him off. Chi Tezu then gently told him to follow his instructions and set him to collect rent. On his way back, battered and exhausted, Zhao Man promised himself never to go against Chi Tezu's words again. Chi Tezu 
smiled smugly as he patted Zaman's cheeks. Never repeat this mistake, stinky boy, greedy. His smile faded. Zaman, remember never to be greedy. It's what changes humans' hearts into evil the most. Zaman, happy at being patted by his master, could only nod. Human hearts are the scariest after all. We're almost done. It's difficult to find Chi Baye in his own Zhang Tang anymore. It's either he's been over at the Zhang mansion discussing work and dinner, the Zhiyulo and the other German courtyards. Zhao Man sighed in disappointment. It looks today he's eating alone again. Suddenly the door to the courtyard opened with a creak. Aya Zhao Man still not asleep? Chi Tezu dusted off some snow from his shoulders and walked inside, grinning cheerily. Here, I brought you some osmanthus cake and chestnuts. Zaman jumped up immediately, exclaiming, Baye! and ran over to the man, hugging his waist excitedly. Chi Tezu swatted at him exasperatedly. Oi, stinky boy, embarrassing! What's a big boy like you doing, hugging an old grandpa like me, so stickily? Ah, that's right. Zaman is almost twenty years old already. Chi Tezu was twenty-eight that year. He still was alone, single. Sometimes, Xiao Man lamented the loneliness of the Qi house to his friends, but deep inside he was glad to be the only one by his master's side. I'll always take care of you, Bai Ye. Xiao Man couldn't keep his promise. Xiao Man didn't even know whether his master was alive or dead. He missed him a lot. Bai Ye, take me home again with you. Author's Notes Ha! When can I never stop crying over... Laojimen, I wonder. Also, I'll write a happier domestic fluff, Zheng Tang, life later. Let me cry first. You can also find me, and they link their Twitter. It says, only a few kudos on it and no comments. I think I forgot to say who wrote this. This Their name is Ridichold. Um... If you're interested, their fake is called Xiao Man and the Master of Sheng Tang. Alright, and our last one. Like a River Ebbing and Flowing by Spinning... Who, who else but Spinning Threads? Uh, this is a general audience's rating and strictly within Old Nine Gates fandom. The relationship is between Chi Tezu and... Uh, this is a new name... Are you hung? I think that's how you say it. Okay, summary. I have energy for exactly one more person of favorable standing and going to bed. With or without that person, bed is happening. Author's notes. This is for Ella Tramiel. Okay. Please throw Baye at anyone you please. Smiley face. I did indeed throw him at whoever I pleased. I hope the result is acceptable. XD. Okay, here we go. Today had not been a good day, and Chi Tezu thought 
as he stared at the man standing in his incense hall. It was not looking to end well either. The headache he'd been nursing most of the day, coming back with a vengeance on seeing this particular visitor. Who had he offered, sorry, offended, to have had the day turn out this way? Could he not just close this hall, sorry, his hall, for the day, and be done with everyone until tomorrow? I know you know my rules, Mr. Cox, he said. I don't tell fortunes for foreigners. If you want your fortune told, I suggest you go elsewhere. And then it says in italics, to someone who doesn't know you're a Japanese spy, he thought viciously, or who doesn't know you're only here to plunder. The white man smiled, the smile never reaching his eyes. Of course I'm aware of the ing- sorry, the- Eighth Master's Rules, he replied. I'm not here for fortune-telling or antiquities. I come with a proposition. Not interested, he said bluntly, too tired and in no mood for diplo diplomacy. And besides, Hendry Cox was not anyone deserving of his courtesy. Do you really want to sit and waste this opportunity? Water flows in only to flow out, after all. Oh, really? He really wanted to play this game with him of all people? Rivers and mountains can change easily, but not the human heart, he shot back. Don't expect me to believe your motivations have changed, Mr. Cox, and don't expect to win in a contest of idioms with me either. I guarantee I know more than you. The man's cold eyes went even colder as his smile widened. The eighth master is sure of himself. Forgive the interruption, Baye. Xiaoman entered, waiting in the doorway for acknowledgement. What is it, Xiaoman? There's a visitor for you, Baye. Chi Tezu pinched the bridge of his nose and took a deep breath. Who is it? I have energy for exactly one more person of favorable standing before I go to bed. With or without that person, bed is happening. Me. Er you. Is that how you say it? Are you, sorry, are you, said from behind Zaman, is my standing favorable? Tezu felt himself brighten at that familiar, friendly face. If he had to deal with more people today, Air you was acceptable. Air you, he exclaimed happily. Please come in. Mr. Cox, he added, I won't see you out. The man bowed hands out in a very proper salute, even if his expression was sardonic. Tezu replied with the barest nod cur courtesy demanded as he swept out, then sighed with relief once he was gone. Thank the heavens, he groaned, gesturing at the table in an invitation to sit, Zalman bringing over a fresh pot of tea. I thought he'd never leave. What can I do for you, are you? Aryu smiled and took a seat. Taking the cup of tea, Tezu held out to him. Nothing at all that important, he said, though I trust you'll forgive me when I say that, while I might be a person of favorable standing, I have no interest in joining you in your bed. Tezu stared at him for a moment, his own cup pausing midair before he threw his head back and laughed. Eryu's dry humor had been in short supply since his wife's passing. He had enjoyed this moment, even if it was at his expense. 
Then it's just as well I have no interest in you joining me either, he said merrily, saluting his old friend with the cup. Come drink. This is a new blend, but I'm finding I enjoy it. Eryu's smile grew briefly as he returned the salute with his own cup. You don't seem to be enjoying your day. Lao Ba, he commented. Tezu groaned again, waving his cup in the air, careful not to spill any tea over the table. This foyer, so unreasonable, woke me up before dawn this morning, then dragged me this way and that. Is it any wonder I've no energy left? You'd think he'd want to stay in bed of a morning after he got married, but no, dawn. Are you hid his smile behind his behind the cup, or at least made the pe pretense of hiding it, and really, if Aryu was sober and amused, Tezu could poke fun at himself for a bit. Is Lieutenant Zong not around to bicker with? He asked. That usually improves your mood. Tezu's own amusement vanished, setting his cup down on the table with an echoing clinking sound as something twisted in his chest. He's out of town on business, he said. He won't be back for a couple of days, probably. And that was fine, really. Foyer had a lot of business that he would only trust to his adjutant. It was normal that sometimes the lieutenant wouldn't be around as a result. It wasn't as if this was the first time, either. And it wasn't like... It wasn't like he cared if Lieutenant Zong was around or not anyway. Did he rely on him for his own good moods? No, of course not. Ah, ah what? He demanded crossly. And Aryu shook his head. Nothing. Just that it won't help your mood if you've got no one to bicker with, that's all. He scowled, picking up his cup again and taking a cranky sip of tea. When... Did you know me so well? You could always try picking a fight with Wu Ye, are you commented, inclining his cup briefly in his direction, smile curving up a little more. It might help. Tezu flapped a hand at him dismissively. He's already not talking to me. No good. And besides, picking a fight with old dog Wu was never quite as satisfying anyway. It will be fine. Tomorrow is another day which hopefully wouldn't start before the sun even rose. Foye had better sleep in tomorrow morning. Passing time with Aryu did help, however, and by the time he was taking his leave, Tezu was in a much better mood than he had been when he arrived. Still, his bed was calling and the call was very insistent. Foye had thought, he thought, settling down and getting comfy, You'd better not wake me up again in the morning, or I won't forgive you. This has a few kudos on it and 14 comments. Sabra says, and it, uh, oh, they're quoting the fic. Okay. Author responds, cackles, right? Denial is a river and all that jazz. Someone has to, and Baye can step up when he needs to. XD. Ella Tremil says, yes, this was fantastic. Thank you. Love to see more of Baye with others. And in willful denial that Zhang Rishan very much affects his moods. XD. 
you should have put the cox slash Chinese proverbs tag XD, because really, where is the lie? Author responds, I'm so sad we didn't get to see him more with other people. I mean, I love him with the zongs and all, but he doesn't get a lot of interaction with others, even are you. And he's probably the next person Baye interacts with most. The denial is strong here, okay? XD, Mr. Heartreader, ob- oblivious to his own. It was so tempting, I can't lie. Lita says, LOL, at the cock slash Chinese proverbs tag. It really is, isn't it? He lectured the Chinese about their proverbs, so someone has to drag him. I remember reading those funny recaps saying, Hendy tied his dinner guests up and kept saying idioms and they couldn't run away. Sorry for tagging along in the comment. Love to see Baye interacting with others outside the zonks. Author responds, yes, someone needs to, and who better than Bai Ye? And then it's basically these two talking to each other, so I won't go into that, but yeah. Um, very, very unique fandom here, um, Old Nine Gates. Um, I don't quite understand what's going on, but that's okay. You know, we were just here for a visit. We just wanted to see what's going on uh, with, with other people's interests with what other people are interested in, and I was very happy to not come across of a lot of perverted things or, you know, salacious things. It was just, it was all very fluffy, I guess, and uh, angsty, kind of, and uh, yeah, just very uh, non-threatening in that way. So uh, yeah, that was a nice little journey. Um, We'll definitely be uh, changing things around here a little bit, um, on random fandom, so stay tuned for that. Um, I'm not really, I'm, so I'm, I'm thinking I'm not really gonna say, uh, the thing I say at the end all the time, where I ask people to, uh, suggest me fandoms. I, I don't know about that. I, I think I just want to leave it up to chance, really. Um, it's kind of boring when you just pick I I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. There's a, there's a whole lot of change coming this way, so, uh, yeah. Well, I'm rambling at this point, so, uh, yep, that's it.